Well, good morning. Children may be dismissed for Children's Church. Well, we're still on this series on breaking the chains of addiction. And we started with this several weeks ago, and we started with the idea of just stopping. And it would be great if you could tell people, just stop. I wish I could tell my kids that. Just stop whatever they're doing, they're fighting, and it would just end. But unfortunately, life doesn't work like that. And so we've been talking about addictions, and I want to review this morning, as I'm going to do every week for the remaining of this um, this series. And the thing that I want us to have an open mind about, because as I mentioned last week, that I've had some people that have talked to me, and they've said, ah, this series doesn't really apply to me, so I'm just going to kind of wait it out for the next six or eight weeks, and then I'll, you know, be back to church. I wish that we would just have an open mind when it comes to addictions, because as I've said before, these addictions can come in many different forms. It's easy to point at some addictions, as I've mentioned them before, over and over again, alcohol or drugs or gambling, and say that is an addiction that's very damaging. We can see the consequences in somebody's life. But we all have things in our lives that we can be addicted to. Things that can occupy our time when we should be spending it maybe with family, that can destroy our health, but more importantly, things that take us away from our relationship with the Lord. And we can always point at other people and say, you know, I don't have addictions, they do, I don't. But we need to be looking at ourselves, and we're going to talk about that more today. Because, as I've said before, these addictions aren't always the bad things of the world. And you may look at somebody else's addiction and say, I cannot believe that they are gambling, I can't believe that they're doing that. But yet, yourself, you may have some things that somebody says, I don't know why that they're involved in that, when we don't even see it in our own lives. Definition of addiction, we've talked about this. Addiction is defined as being unable to stop. Even when you realize that there are these negative things that are happening in your life, you believe in your mind through wrong thinking that you cannot stop yourself. An addiction is any pattern or behavior that have developed with dealing with hurts in an unhealthy way. You have these things in your life from the past usually, and we start to have these addictions in our behavior because that is how we cope with whatever this hurt is that we're carrying around. But ultimately, it's a choice. And it's a choice that leads to a behavior that's in excess that leads to bondage. And I had the chain up here several weeks ago when I first started. Then you're chained. Because this is how you deal with it. You think that is the right way to deal with it. You don't know any different, or maybe you do know the difference, but you can't stop. And this is how I deal with issues in my life. This is how I escape. And as I mentioned last week, the addiction is not the root of the problem. That's not the problem. Because that is the church today in a lot of areas. That is AA. That's, that's where they're at. They're working with the symptom. The symptom is the addiction. The root of the problem is something else in your life that is now causing that. And hopefully through this series, we're starting to get at the root of the problem, not just the fruit of it. But I want to review today, and I've got some different things up here that I'm going to use. I've had them every week. I've got the chair. I've got a clipboard here. I've got a mirror. I've got the rope up here. And then I have a grenade. Okay. So now, help me out. Let's review. 
through these things up here. Because I was talking to a guy uh, last week who has been through two, well, I think he's been through it two times, but at least know one time he's went through the 12-step program. And I said, can you tell me the steps of the 12-step? And he's like, I have no idea. I didn't even understand it when I went through it. He couldn't even, he remembered the first one, that you have to admit that you have a problem and your life has become unmanageable. That's the one he can remember. So help me out. Which one of these first things is the first step here? The mirror. And that is to what? The one word? Admit. You have to admit at some point that your life has become unmanageable. You cannot manage your life any longer. So we've got the first one, it's the mirror. What's the second one? Chair. And the chair is one word, is what? Believe. You need to start to believe that God is a higher power. You have to believe in Him. Now, you may not trust Him, but you have it in your minds that He has the means and the desire to help you. And the chair is it's going to hold you up. So we've got admit, believe. What's the third one? What's it up here? What, what item? The rope. And that is to release. Once that you are believing that he is real, then this is a tough one. Then you need to release your life. You get to the point where you say, you know what? I've been managing my own life and it hasn't been working out too well. And so I'm giving my life over to God. I'm going to let him start to manage my life. And then we've got what? The clipboard, which is one word, which is what? Inventory. And this is when we start to have an inventory of our life. And we talked about this one last week. This is an honest evaluation of our life. And we sit down, and I had the sheets back there to help you work through it if, if you're willing to do that. And you say, there are some things in my life that I need to sort through. I have this garbage over here that I realize now is garbage. I don't need it in my life. And these are some good things and I need to sort through what is good and what is garbage and I need to start to get rid of this stuff here because I don't need it in my life anymore. And that is a hard one. We have to sit down and we have to do an inventory. We're going to talk about the inventory today and of course the grenade, that's the you know one that's just out there to see if you can try to guess it. We haven't had the grenade yet. Funny story about the grenade. I have this sitting in my office on the shelf. I had a couple that came in, this has been over a year ago, possibly two years ago, and they weren't involved in our church, they didn't know me, came in for some quick counseling, they have some problems in their marriage, and she kept sitting there, and she wasn't paying attention to the word I was saying at all, she kept just looking over at the shelf, just staring over there, and she was kind of moving her chair away, and I said, I kept looking over there, and it was, I said, is there something the matter? And she said, well, you got that bomb sitting over there on the shelf, and she said, it's making me nervous. And I said, well, it, it shouldn't make you nervous. It's not going to go off or anything. And she's like, well, it's making me nervous. Did you put it someplace else? So I had to take it off the shelf and bring it and put it in here in the sanctuary so she wouldn't be worried. And I was thinking, you're still in the blast radius there, lady. <laughs> this is actually my complaint department. I'm going to put like a, you know, complaint tag on here. And so when you have a complaint, you get to pull the pin and then hold this. <laughs> and I'm going to run. Don't worry, it won't go off, hopefully. I left the pin in it. So we're dealing with this stuff, hopefully, in our life. And as I said, we're sorting through our closet. We've done the inventory. 
hopefully we've done that and we've went through this step and we've said there are some things I realize that I need to start to deal with in my life. And as I said last week, it's a very difficult step because you're trying to, a lot of times, go through this closet, so to speak, of your life and do this inventory of garbage, the stuff you don't need, and good things, and you're blind. You can't even see what the good things are that you need to keep, and you can't even see what is garbage. To try to sort through a closet when you're completely blind or blindfolded, very difficult. And that's why a lot of times we need some outside help. This week is the fifth step, which is to confess. The word is to confess, and that is revealing our true selves. So the word is confess this week, it's revealing our true selves, and we're going to look at the verse in James chapter 5, verse 16, and just the first part of that. But this is what this step is, the mask. And of course, we understand a mask, you put it on your face, and then people don't know who you are exactly. I think I'm going to keep this in my office so when people start complaining to me, I'm just going to get it out and start putting it on. So if you're in my office and you're complaining to me and I start getting this out, you'll know something's up here. Because we understand a mask. When you're wearing a mask, no one really knows who you are. That is the groundbreaking truth that we have here at this church to just keep people coming back. If you're wearing a mask, I know this is a novel idea, people don't know who you are. Now you can look at this picture here and you can say, well, from the hair or from the side of the face, I kind of have an idea who might be in this picture, but we don't know for sure. And this is this fifth step of confessing. We need to get to the point where we're going to reveal our true self. We're going to start to take off this mask. James says in James chapter 5, verse 16, this is the first part of 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is a biblical principle of confessing. And James says here in the book of James, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, you guys need to start confessing these things in your life to each other. You need to start to talk about these issues that you're carrying around, and you need to do that in a safe environment with, hopefully, other Christians. So that is our fifth step today. We admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. And I will substitute in there, admit with confess. Really the same thing, but there's a little bit different principle in there. I'll explain that. So we're getting to the point where we're going to admit. Now we have done this inventory, hopefully, and we have went through our junk pile and the stuff that is garbage and the good stuff. And so we have admitted this is junk, this is garbage, and now we are going to confess that. We are going to tell somebody else, I realize what's in this pile right here is a bunch of garbage, okay? I got it. But now I need to actually tell somebody else. I have to physically tell them that this is a bunch of garbage here. Why is that? Because if you're going through your closet and you're trying to do this inventory, you clean out the closet and then you have a pile there of junk and good stuff and then you start to put the good stuff back in the closet because it's all good stuff that you're going to keep and then you have a junk pile there 
maybe you might start walking by and think, you know what, I don't think that's so much garbage. I think there's some pretty good things in there, actually. Actually, there are things that I like. I think I need to actually put that back in the closet. And you can imagine if you're in a home and somebody's walking by and saying, what is that pile there? And you say, oh, it's nothing. It's just stuff that I haven't put back in the closet yet. They'd say, all right. But if you would tell them it's a pile of garbage that we need to get rid of, then that kind of obligates you to probably getting rid of it. At least somebody else is going to be aware of it. At least somebody else might ask you, hey, didn't you say that you were going to get rid of this garbage and you're putting it back in the closet? And we're fearful that somebody might come along and help us haul our garbage out. I may not be ready to get rid of it yet, so I'm not going to tell you. So we've done this inventory, and now we're admitting that this stuff in our life, this area, this garbage that we have, this junk, we need to start to get rid of. The other side of this, the flip side, the 12 steps to become totally and completely insane is number five, admitting to the whole world at large the exact nature of their wrong. So we don't admit our wrong, we don't admit our garbage, we just go around and tell everybody else the garbage we see in their life. That's complete insanity. And so the work of this fifth step is this. We take off the mask that we're hiding behind and we face ourselves. And we confront ourselves in the mirror of our life. This is not an easy step. The inventory is not an easy step. When you say there are certain things I need to work on, but this one gets a little bit tougher even, I believe, because you're having to admit truly to yourself that there are these issues. And you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, man, that's not good. The first step is to admit. Yeah, we've looked in the mirror and we've admitted that there are some issues in our life, but this is the step where we start to own it. We don't just say, well, I believe that there are some issues here. We actually say there are some big issues and they are my issues. They're things that I have in my life that I need to start to deal with. And the first step is that we are honest with ourselves about the inventory we took in step four, as I mentioned before. And that is that we admit, confess to ourselves and we are starting to come out of the denial that we're living in and we acknowledge the facts. We acknowledge the facts of the things in our life. Whether we believe it's true or not, now we've got to get to the point where we'd say, it is. This stuff in my life that I've had for 10, 20, 40, 50 years, I've got to start to deal with. That's the reality of it. So first of all, we have to be honest with ourselves. The second of all, we have to be honest with God and we need to admit it to Him. He already knows. But we need to call it what it is, this pile here, and we need to say, God, I'm just saying before you that I need to confess some things. The good thing is it says in 1 John 1.9 that He is faithful and He will forgive us of our sins. He already knows anyway. He wants us to recognize it. Why do we have that step so much, I always think? It's because He wants us to recognize it. Just like when my daughters do something that is wrong, I ask them, do you know what you even did? Why do I have that step in there as far as their punishment? Because I want them to be able to realize what they even did wrong. 
And if you've ever had kids or been around kids, you know that sometimes they don't even know that it's wrong. They don't even know. Sometimes they know it's wrong and they don't want to admit it to you. But there needs to be that step where they verbally say, I, I realize that this is wrong. At least for, you know, the future when they do it again, you can say, didn't we talk about this? Didn't you know that that was wrong? I had no idea. How am I supposed to know that's wrong? I didn't catch that. You said it. You said, you said that you understood that that was wrong. And God says, I already know that you've done it. I want you to realize it. Now, I think I've shared this story before that I have a friend uh, who's probably pushing 60 now that's in ministry. Back in the day, he had some real issues in his life. He was an alcoholic. That was one of the few things that was just destroying his life. He had a very bad temper, and he would take it out on his wife. He would just physically beat her down. Uh, he came to know the Lord. He was changing his life, but there were still some of those things that were going on. He had said to her, if I ever do that to you again, he said, I want you to call and get help right away because this can't keep going on. I need some kind of accountability. Well, it didn't go to the extent that it had before, but they had an argument, it escalated, it got physical, and he left the house, went out in the hog barn, and he was just beating himself up. You know, he knew what was gonna happen, that she was gonna call the authorities or call somebody. She called the pastor. He showed up at the house and came out to the hog barn, and he said, uh, you know, Linda had called me, Jim, and he said, yeah, I figured somebody was coming, you know, and he said to him one thing. He said, you know, I don't, I don't know why that I do this stuff. I, I, can't, I, I can't believe that I do this stuff. And this has always stuck in my mind what Jim said. Jim said this pastor looked at him and said, that is the exact problem, Jim, in this whole situation where you're at in your life right now. Because it doesn't surprise Linda. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise the Lord. The only person that it surprises, truly, is you. Because you're not dealing with this stuff in your life. You just believe that you're gonna just get better or you're just gonna be able to be a better person. And he said, you need to start to deal with this stuff in your life and be honest with yourself, Jim. And he turned around and walked out. And Jim said, in that hog barn that day, he started to get it. That he needed to drop this mask that he had been wearing and start to deal with these issues in his life that were causing this alcoholism, that was causing this anger. They go clear back to when he was a child. And once he started to do that, his life started to change. But boom, 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 he went through all these steps there, I believe, that afternoon. He admitted, yeah, I looked in the mirror and I've got a problem. And the only person that I am you know, trying to fool is really myself because everybody else knows the struggles that I have. That leads us to our third step. We've got to be honest with ourselves. we've got to be honest with God, but we need to be honest with somebody else. And that is we admit, confess to another person for healing. The verse that we've talked about today in James 5.16. And that is that we are going to share our inventory with someone else. And I will say this about preparing for step five it takes courage because it forces us to face one of probably maybe one of our greatest fears and that is to lose dignity 
A lot of times we believe that this mask that we are wearing around in front of other people is how people perceive us. The truth is, as I just said, people know. Those people that are closest to you, they know. They don't know, they don't act like they know. They know. They just don't know how to deal with you, so they just try to ignore it. Oh. But church people might know. My friends might know. They probably have a clue already. And confession means letting go of control how other people see us. That means that I have to get to the point where I say I'm not going to control how other people see me or what I believe that other people are seeing. I'm just going to let them see me as I am. At least one other human being you're doing this with. You're saying, this is just actually who I am. I've said this before. I had a guy that said to me, not this church, but the previous one. He said, you know what? If you really knew who I was, who I truly was, he said, this is a guy that was on the church board. He was very active in the church, been raised in that church. He said, if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't be sitting in this pickup with me. I knew from that one comment what he was saying is there is so much garbage and stuff in my life that I am trying to hide and I'm living a completely opposite life. But I come to church, I put on a mask, I help in the church, I give a lot to the church, I do a lot down there, and people believe that I've got it all together. Well, probably four months of me being up there, I realized this individual didn't have it all together. Other people knew that too. But they just wanted to believe that, you know, he was doing everything in the church and they didn't want to have to do it, so let's don't confront any of this stuff. Because we're worried more about things getting done at the church than we are about somebody personally. And preparing for this step, that means that you need to schedule some undistracted time with God and with ourselves. That means that you need to be honest with him and say, verbally, God, I... I realize that I got some things in my life that I need to change. And then we need to pray that we would have another human being that we can share with. So preparing for this, we're alone with God and we're saying, God, by the way, I need somebody that I can trust. I need somebody that I can share with. Bring that person into my life. Maybe that person's already into your life, but maybe you need to now have the courage to talk to them. Maybe they're already in your life, but you don't even recognize that. But I want to talk about our verse right now in James 5, um, verses 13 through 16. This is the context of what's going on here. And we're running out of time, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But James is speaking to a group of believers here. And he starts out in verse 13 to say, Is any one of you in trouble? He goes on to say, Is any one of you sick? And he says, You should call on the elders of your church, and they can pray over you, anoint you with oil. He goes on to use the word sick again. And then in verse 16 that we've talked about, he says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this this morning because this is really an in-depth passage if you want to get technical about it. But let me tell you this. We need to understand what you're being healed from here. So we need to understand really why you're sick. Because there are those churches, there are those Bible teachers that will tell you that the word sick here means a disease or being ill, like type of sick, okay? Maybe not that extent. 
that's the type of sick that they're talking about here. And so then you go and the elders can pray and put hands on you. If you have cancer or diabetes or whatever you have, they can put some oil on you, 10 away 30 probably, and then you're going to be just totally healed. Now, can God do that? Absolutely. He could do that. But the problem is the kind of name it and claim it type thinking in the church where we say, God, we used 10 away 30. We had all the elders there, so why am I not healed? You must be letting us down, God. That's the problem. But it hinges on the word sick here. Because I'm telling you, I've studied this out. The word here for sick in the Greek does not mean sick, like throwing up, like cancer sick. That's not what he's saying here. If you read the context of this entire chapter, what it means is to endure evils. It means evils or hardships or troubles. Bad things happening. Not something physical. Could that be something physical inside of that? Yes. But the word means hardships, problems. And it seems to imply more than just an illness or disease that would be going on. What it's saying here is that somebody is physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausted. If I had my own JC translation, which would be scary and biblically wrong, but if I had my own translation, I would put this spiritually exhausted. It, it, are any of you spiritually exhausted? Are you just exhausted? Are you shot? Then you need to be healed. Now, you might be exhausted because of persecution, because of bad health, because of your own bad decisions, but you're in a point in life where you go, I'm stunned. I'm just sick of it just tired of everything. I don't care anymore. And James is speaking to this type of person here. And that's why he says, therefore confess your sins to each other. The word confess here, what it's saying here literally means to acknowledge something openly, an omission of fact. So admit something, you know, to me in my mind is that you're saying, well, I might admit it in a general sense. I admit that I have some problems. Confess is to the point. And you're saying, this is a fact in my life. I struggle with this. I struggle with anger. I struggle with depression. I struggle with whatever I'm addicted to because that is how I deal with this issue in my life. Don't know what the root cause of it is right now, but I admit, I confess that there are these things in my life that I need to deal with. And if you look at what it's saying here in the Greek, the verb, James is actually saying being the practice of confessing your sins to one another continually. Not just one time. He's saying that you need accountability. And it's talking about unloading and unburdening our lives to each other at a time like this when we are sick, we're spiritually exhausted, and we go to somebody else and say, can you intercede for me? Can you pray for me? Because I'm at the point I could care less about my life right now. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to do. I am totally shot. Can you help me? And hopefully that's when you're going to have some elders, some mature leaders in the church that are going to be able to pray for you. Now, when it comes to confession, a lot of times in the Bible church thinking, we say, we don't need to confess to anybody. Just confess to the Lord. That's all we need to confess to. That's it. Because we don't go to any priest because we're not Catholic, and that's stupid anyway. I really think the Catholics now understand what I'm saying here. I think that they have something kind of going on here with the confession. 
Because when you're doing that, now I don't believe that you need to confess to a human being that's going to forgive you of your sins. Don't get me wrong here, okay? But when you're confessing to another human being your wrongs, they become real. I have my Catholic friend, I said, how often do you go confess? He said, once a year. I said, once a year? You need to be going like once a day, buddy. Once a, I said, how do you keep track of them? He goes, I just hit the highlights of the big stuff that happens in the year. I was like, wow. Once a year, he's going to go sit down with his priest and confess. But I do believe there's something to be said there. Now, in the context of that, they're not there a lot of times to give you counsel or to you know give you advice they're there to then forgive you of all the bad things you've done kicking a neighbor's dog and stuff like that whatever the highlights of the last year have been but hopefully in the context we're talking about is that you're admitting that there's some things in your life that you need to change and the result is that you're going to be healed the word heal there literally means to cure heal to make whole to free from errors and sins we don't have anything that's really the equivalent of it in our English language, to be healed. Sounds like we're just going to fix you. You're going to be healed, everything's fine, get out there on the field, go. It's not that. What it means here is that we're going to start to put you back together one piece at a time. It's not going to be like that, You're not going to be fixed all at once. It's a process of starting to restore you, healing you over time. And this word here, most of the time, if you check it out in God's word, it's not with physical healing. It's about spiritual healing. Actually, the other time it's used in the Greek is when it's talked about mending, healing a net for fishing. We're going to start working and putting you back together and start fixing these holes. And it's going to take some time. It also carries the idea of restoration of one's relationship with God and back to right standing. So these are my last four points that I want to close with today, and I'm going to do them quickly because we're running out of time. The question is, why would God have designed our healing dependent upon us confessing to others? You ever wonder that? Because he says in his word here, he says you need to be confessing to others. Why is that? And there's four points I want to touch on really quick. These are the reasons I believe. You can argue with me or when you preach it, you can preach it different. Number one, confession keeps us humble. I believe that God says you need to be telling somebody else because it will keep you humble. Because if you want to get technical about it, you can ask Satan because he experiences pride is the foundation of all sin. Really, if you think about it. Because what pride is saying is I can do it myself. I don't need God. There's nothing that he can do about it. Now, we may not actually say that because we're good Christians. We don't say that. But we're thinking it in our lives. I don't need God. There's nothing he can do about it. And confession is a starting point when we start to get this sin out where it belongs. We start to deal with it. We've admitted it to ourselves, but now we're going to start to get it out. We're going to start to deal with it. And there's no room for pride when I have to come to you and say, you know, I have this problem in my life and it is fill in the blank, whatever it is. And you say, I need you to pray for me. I got some stuff in my life and I need some help. And it reminds us, reminds us of our weakness and our dependence on God. 
and I will say this at this point, we are so quick to point out the problems in other people's life and we're reluctant to admit it in our own life. And we are so, especially as Christians, I tell you, we are so quick at saying, you've got these problems in your life, but we don't want to look at our own problems. And we need to stop looking for faults in other people and start looking at ourselves in our own life. Man, we have perfected this as a church. We are so quick to point out other people's problems. You know, I love, I love being a pastor and everybody's pointing out my problems. I'm like a human pinata some days. Jeez. You got, you, I, I'm going to talk to you. You got this, you know, I see this. Good, good. You're right on on that. I've known it for the last seven years. I'm working on it. But if you ever talk to somebody else about it, you see something in their life, are you kidding me? We are so good at pointing out faults in other people, but we don't want to admit them ourselves. So number one, confession keeps us humble. Number two, God wants us to confess to other people because it makes us vulnerable. And if you look up that word vulnerable, I looked it up to make sure I knew what I was talking about. To be capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, open to attack or damage. That somebody might hurt you. What you believe is a wound. And so confession makes us vulnerable because we're saying, I'm going to have to open myself up. Because as we've talked about before, there's a degree of control, I will call it a wall, that we maintain to keep our junk in the inside and keep people out. Why? Because we've been hurt in the past and so we want to control it. We're not going to let anybody else in. And it means letting down the walls around our heart and allowing somebody else to come in and help us. So we're saying, this is my junk here. Don't touch my junk. I love my junk. And then you're saying, I don't know what to do with this junk. I can't even get rid of it myself. I'm going to let somebody in the door to help me deal with my junk. And they're going to come in and say, whoa, that stuff stinks. And we're going to have to be humble enough to go, I know, but I love my junk. I know it stinks. Will you help me? I have made a mess. I cannot clean it up any longer. And it makes us vulnerable. Number three, confession helps us relate. I, I don't know how else to put it, but we convince ourselves that everyone else has got it more together. And we believe in our mind that we are the only ones that struggle with this junk, this stuff. And it's worse than everybody else's. Because you come to church and everybody's got their mask on. You don't, you're like, I'm wearing my mask too. Theirs is real. I'm having to wear a mask. And you start to believe in your mind that it's a bigger deal. And it's not that big a deal. It's, don't get me wrong. It's a big deal. But everybody's got their own stuff. Your stuff isn't any bigger than somebody else's. It's just all garbage. And then we can start to tell ourselves, you know, I'm not alone. Because all sin. And then it's a pathway out of isolation and loneliness. Because if I understand in my life that I'm not the only person that struggles with this stuff, other people struggle with it, then I don't feel so alone. I don't have to keep myself from other people because they struggle with it also. It also alerts others to the need for our help. Because if you tell somebody else, I've got the struggle in my life, then when they see you start to get in it, they know that you need help. If you tell somebody, I can't swim, 
and then you fall out of the boat and you're flapping around out there and somebody knows you can't swim, they're going to jump in like that. But if they don't know that you can't swim and you're just flapping your arms, you know, and they're like, look at them being silly and trying to pretend they're drowning. You just, you're a funny guy. Drowned. They had a guy that drowned last summer at North Platte because of that. They had a little family get together, and of course, the alcohol was involved, and he went out there and he's, woo, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, help me. And everybody's laughing. They watched him drown because they thought he was goofing around. His own family. He just drowned in front of them. Tell somebody, I need some help in my life because I've got problems with this in, in gambling. And when they start to see you downtown, you know, with a bunch of scratch cards that are 10 feet long running out of, you know, Casey's, then they're like, I think he's got a problem. Might want to talk with him. And the thing is that if you're confessing to somebody else, then that person becomes your ally in your struggles. And as it says in Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. That's our responsibility as being brothers and sisters in Christ. And the last one is this. Confession confirms God's forgiveness. And ultimately, our healing that we have in our life, whether that's all these things emotionally, physically, relationally, they all come from God. They all come from His power. But you know who God uses? Yes, He uses His Spirit, but He also uses His people. And we try to remove ourselves from that. Why? Because we don't want the liability of somebody else. But that is who God uses. And we need somebody, as I've said over here and over today here, that we need to go to somebody and have somebody in our life where we say, I'm struggling with this. Would you at least pray for me? Maybe you're going to talk through it with me. Keep me accountable. And this is the neat thing about this. Because when you're doing this with people and you're confessing, you're showing them God's forgiveness. What an awesome privilege that is. Because you're showing God's unconditional love, His acceptance, and His grace to another human being. When somebody is sharing something with me, and I'm going, wow, that's some major stuff, I now have a choice that I can show them God's unconditional love and grace. Now, does that mean I'm just going to condone it and say, well, that's cool, I just keep doing that? Nope. That means I'm going to be honest. But being honest, I'm still showing unconditional love. And as Jesus says in John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give you. He says, things are going to change, people. This is a game changer here because I've been around. He says, you need to love one another just as I've loved you. You need to do that with each other because, you know, I loved you people and you're a bunch of sinners tax collectors, prostitutes, you got problems. Don't start thinking yourself as being better than somebody else. So it really comes down to choosing the right accountability partner. And when you're choosing someone, that means that you need to choose somebody that you can trust. And they're not going to use the information that you give to them against you at some point. You know, it's it's not like the roadrunner with a broken leg going to Wiley Coyote and saying, I got something to admit to you, I got a broken leg. And he's licking his chops. This is what I wanted to, you know, here. I've had this happen to me. I shared something with a pastor. You know me, in my life, I would have told anybody anyway, because I'll just tell you anything. 
I shared this with the pastor and he turned around and flipped that and used that against me another time. I didn't see that coming at all. Wow. Okay, I trusted you to share that and then you turned that against me to try to basically destroy me. That's nice. You need to choose someone who's going to understand, who has been there, done that, moved on, and has some wisdom and maturity about them. Someone, of course, who's going to encourage you, not condemn you. And they are not shocked by this sin, but they are grieved by it. They're not going to just say, okay. They're like, I understand. I'm going to help you move through this. We need to have somebody that's going to be honest with us, tell us the truth. And the last thing is that we need to have somebody, I truly believe, that's of the same gender. Because I've seen this happen too many times. You will have somebody that you start to share with. It might be a co-worker. It might be somebody, just a friend. It could be even somebody in the church. And they are the opposite sex. And then something starts to happen there. And usually that turns into a relationship that is not healthy. Because there is another man or woman now who has, you know, you have shared your emotions with, you have bonded with in that area, and it becomes an inappropriate relationship. I will also say this, probably not sharing with your spouse is a good idea. Because maybe after 35 years, they are so battle-hardened against you that they don't really care. Maybe sharing it with your sibling, with your parent, with somebody else isn't a very good idea either. Because you've already probably hurt them so bad, uh, they're upset with you. And so when it comes to this fifth step, these are really two of the things that we need to be praying. We need to pray for a spirit of confession. And we need to pray that God will give us the courage and confidence to find somebody else that we're going to be accountable through. And we're going to be sharing this stuff in our life. And we need to find somebody else that's also going to invest in our healing. But the second thing is that I will say this. We need to pray that we're somebody that's worthy of confession. Because this is my concern in the church. That I believe that maybe that the reason why people don't share their hurts in the church is because they don't feel like they have anybody they can trust. And maybe for good reason. Because I've asked people that. I've said, is there somebody that you feel comfortable with? One person, when I've done counseling, one person that you can share with. And they will say, I don't have one person I can share with. Not one. Well, think about it overnight. Let's think about it. They come back, there's not one person I trust. So then they're going to share to me, which is totally fine. But I can't be everything to everyone, and I haven't been through the same struggles maybe that they have, and maybe they need to be sharing with somebody else. And I believe that maybe that they're not sharing because we're not showing the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, long-suffering, we're not showing the things that God says you need to be doing by your Spirit. We're not showing that to other people. And they're not going to share I realize we ran out of time, but I'm going to do this anyway. Most of the time, I start with a video. I have a little video clip here that I want to show, but I'm going to end with it today. Now, this is a clip from Star Wars Return of the Jedi, okay? How many of you have seen any of the Star Wars here? Raise your hand. Okay. Anybody that has not seen one, you're fired. Fired. 
I'm, I'm trying to incorporate a lot more of this worldly secular stuff, just like Paul did in the book of Acts on Mar Mars Hill, that he quoted one of the secular poets of the day because that's what people understood because they didn't understand God's word. And so I'm trying to incorporate some of this in here. So this is my attempt this week. And to set this up here, this is a return of the Jedi. Of course, you've seen Darth Vader. He is the bad guy. He wears the helmet and the mask, everything. I love the colors he wears. His first color is black, his second color is black. Same things I love to wear. And it's at the end here, and he has changed his ways. He has realized that he is evil. Luke, his son, he has just saved his life from the emperor trying to kill him. But in the process, Darth Vader gets all, you know, really messed up here. And he's dying. And this is the interaction that he has with Luke's son. Luke, help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. to save you. You already have. Look. You were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister. You were right. Father. I won't leave you. I have to tell you, being a Star Wars fan, that Darth Vader is my second favorite character, but I like him because he's just so bad, evil, cool. And when I was sitting there in the movie theater, when this part was on I was so like excited about this part because we're actually going to see Darth Vader and they take the helmet off and I'm like what he is a pathetic overweight angry old man that's it it ruins Star Wars for me I'm, I'm trying to get over it He's, he's bad. 
And he's an old guy that's bold. I know why he's so angry now. I'm serious. I thought as a kid, that is what this whole talk has been about? Really? The last three movies are because Darth Vader can't deal with his emotional problems being a, you know, an older guy? That's why we've got the Empire? I felt like that. I'm like, it's just more family problems is all it comes down to. That's all Star Wars is. This family problems play down the big screen with lasers and cannons and everything. It's a little bit more exciting than your Thanksgiving. But this is the truth that comes from this, okay? Healing happens when we remove the mask that we hide behind, admitting our wrongs, and we are honest with ourselves and others who we really are. Really, that, that does carry now that I'm older, it does carry more weight. I, I'm going to at least believe that's what he's saying here, you know, in the movie, so I can, you know, I could use it. But there comes a point with our family, with our friends, but with ourselves, because I believe this is what's happening with Darth Vader when we take the mask off and go, man, I'm just an old, pathetic, angry guy. I'm not Darth Vader, ultimate Lord Sith that's destroying everybody. Got some issues. That's what you are. Just that. That's hard when you wake up and you want to you know, look in the mirror and be Darth Vader every day. And you have to take the mask off and go, that's who really I am. I'm not really that scary. I'm not really that bad. Just because I wear the black doesn't mean that you know, I'm ultimate evil. And you know what? Take the most evil person that you know. You would say that they are totally evil. You take off the mask of what they are, this is what they are. They're scared, they're angry, they're hurting underneath that mask. But they're evil, evilly strong. No, they're not. They're weak. They're scared. They're living in fear and resentment, like we talked about last week. So this is the heart condition. And this is a prayer. It's not the magical prayer that's going to change everything. It's the heart condition behind it. It's saying, Dear God, my inventory that I've taken, that we took in step four, has shown me who I really am. Yet I ask for your help in admitting my wrongs to another person and to you. Assure me and be with me in this step. For without this step, I cannot progress in my recovery. With your help, I can do this and I will do it. And so it's getting to the point where we take off this mask. And it's hard to do because we really actually have to look at ourselves. But how are people going to perceive me? You know what? I hate to burst your bubble. They already perceive you as being that way. They already know that you're living in anger and resentment and that's why you're doing these things in your life. Just be honest with yourself. Take that mask off. And so the one word that goes along with the mask is what? Confess. We're confessing our issues, our problems, our sins to other people. And through that, we're going to get healing. Because I tell you, I've seen it over and over again. If you tell another human being what you're struggling with, it isn't so powerful anymore in your life. The big issue in this is suicide. 
Because when people will sit down across from me and they say, I'm going to kill myself, and I say, I ask them, how are you going to do it? And they say, what? That's kind of morbid. No, I want to know all the details. I'm a morbid guy. And they say, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, some are really elaborate. I'm like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. That's original. Why are you being so morbid? Because I want to know. I want you to tell me all the details. Because you've already ran through them in your mind, so tell me. And that I always tell them, before you do it, I want you to call me. And they say, what? I just want you to call me. You're going to try to stop me. No, I'm not going to try to stop you. I just want to talk to you before you die. Well, that's even more morbid. I'm a sick puppy. What do you say? I like it. You know what happens in that? Because I've been there. If you have to actually tell somebody with your mouth and tell them you're going to commit suicide, it doesn't seem so real anymore. You start to think, what in the world am I saying? That's not me. That's not me saying that. Because it becomes a reality. Not just something that you're dealing with in your mind. It's reality because it came out of your mouth to another human being. You do that with the things in your life, and I guarantee you, you start to tell somebody and start to admit the inventory that you took, it won't seem so powerful anymore. Because somebody else has struggled with it. Because somebody else is showing you some grace and unconditional love. And you say, you know what? What am I letting that just whoop up on me about? That isn't so powerful. Because you've shared it with another human being. So the question I leave you with today is, are you willing to take off the mask? If you're wearing a mask, whatever degree that mask is, for some it's more than others, we get to the point where we're saying, I'm going to take that off and deal with reality of the truth. And I'm going to start to confess this stuff in my life. Let's close the word of prayer. Lord, you know us as human beings that we think that we can hide things from you. We think that... Uh, we got it under control and we don't need you. And we're living behind masks in our lives. And you can see right through those, and as well as other people most of the time. And the only person that we're kidding is ourselves. So Lord, I pray that we would have the courage, the boldness to get to a point in our life, and that's only gonna be by your spirit, I believe, where we say, I'm going to start to deal with this stuff. And that means that we're going to find another person that we can trust that is going to accept us, that's not going to condemn us, but it's going to encourage us. And we're going to take that leap of faith and we're going to tear down those walls and we're going to start to share some of this stuff in our life. And Lord, that's a hard step to make because we have been hurt so bad in the past by other people that we say, I'm never going to step out again like that. Lord, our heart needs to be that we want to start to move forward in our growth and our change so much that we're willing to take that risk. So Lord, I pray that you would bring somebody alongside and just encourage that they would be there for that person. And Lord, I pray that you would be the ultimate healer in this though. I pray that you would come alongside people and strengthen them, change their heart, and that they would start to move forward because or hiding behind a mask for the last maybe 20, 30, 40 years has not gone us anywhere. And we want to start to be real and we want to start to see change in our life and we want to start to move forward. So Lord, thank you that uh, you're willing just to, to make that happen in our lives, that you're willing to be there and be part of our healing process. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.